Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Everybody to uh, a very special episode of Acts of Pod. Um, both of my co-hosts uh, were unavailable this week. Um, what they told me is that children don't have school during the summer, and apparently they require a lot of attention. And it's the time you build lifelong memories, and you have to get them into camps um, where they learn crafts. Anyway, I sort of glazed over. I don't remember the rest of it, but there's children involved. That's what they're doing. So I was like, who do I know that's childless? Um, and, and Megan right from the beginning pot like that. She qualifies. Uh, but also she's very smart and we've been friends for 20 years. And, uh, also she, you know, uh, the Duran Duran, the cover of Rio, like to me, she's always looked like that girl on the cover that in that, in those eighties posters, but, um, just so you have a, an idea of what she looks like. But anyway, so it's Megan. Uh, I called her. She was available. She's very smart. She works for the government, but I should, I should stop there. Is that right, Megan? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. I'm sorry. I didn't, I don't even know. Do I have clearance to even mention that? Um, yeah, you're, you, you're cleared. <sighs> okay. And, um, so I called, I called Megan and well, it, what's funny is that, you know, we've been friends for what, what, 20 years and we are both fairly like politically involved, which means to say that like we follow the news and, you know, complain about it but yeah so there's a million things that we could have talked about and you know politically it's been a hellscape this past week but um when i asked her what she was interested in doing she had mentioned um a commercial that just sort of stuck in her craw and i thought she had a really good point and i was like you know the personal is political. So anyway, I wanted you to go ahead and describe the commercial and then we can get into it. Yeah, sure. So, you know, just minding my own business, uh, watching the medias and uh, uh, noticed that uh, Weight Watchers was expanding their their territory um, and they had uh, got some new um, spokespeople for their for their brand. Um 
One of which is Kevin Smith, who I don't I don't know if you're aware, but recently I think had a heart attack. Or, That's what I heard. Or nearly had a heart attack, but was just lucky that he was near a hospital to survive. Um, DJ Khaled, who Khaled, Khaled, I don't know if that's how you say it. Khaled. Yeah. Um, and and Khaled. one other dude, one other dude. I don't, I don't really know, but yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, it just seems like what, like, the, like, is there no sacred territory? Can we just not can, like, do we have to capture all people on earth? Like, it has it not been bad enough that the women have been suffering, uh, through this diet culture business for so long. Now we're just going to get our tentacles even further in. Well, I mean, who knew that when we were fighting for equality, that that also meant that we were going to um, equalize the pain that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry about that. But I think uh, what's interesting about that is because when I was doing research about this topic, there were so many historical examples of people that were wrestling with weight issues. And even historically there, it was a lot of men, you know? Um, yeah. So it's not as if, you know, over the years they've been immune from critique for their physical form. But I think that the reason women have been harder hit is because you know, our looks have kind of been our bread and butter. They've been our currency, you know, before, right. before we were able to sort of have a real foothold in the market. So if you, you know, w- were born with the kind of body that wasn't fashionable in that decade, I mean, you were out of luck. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, was- yeah. Well, it is interesting. Um, if you go back and look at a lot of that, historical uh, diet uh, plans. There were, it was a lot of men, but I imagine because a lot of men were just the people who had access to the papers oh, and, that's a and very, whatnot. That's but, a very good point you made. Um, but yeah, um, I, I definitely saw a lot of male stories for sure. But, um, and I think, well, the other thing that has been interesting for me, like just doing the, research about this topic and just sort of the age that we're at now times have definitely changed from when we were going through our formative years, I guess. But yeah, I mean, when, when I was the young lass, um, heroin chic was, I mean, you want, not only did you want to be skinny, but you you wanted people to think you had a vitamin deficiency, like that's how skinny right. people were. I mean the the sort of curviness and I mean well I mean God bless Anna Nicole Smith, but it, yeah. <laughs> they just really hadn't embraced. It wasn't the time and the place for certainly somebody of my stature just being so tall. But um, anyway. Just in those intervening years, I guess with, you know, women being able to sort of dictate more how they'd like to be seen and treated now that we have a little bit more leverage in society. I think one of those ways was just to like, can you just lay off my body, you know? Yeah. Like, 
I'm exhausted. I, I don't owe you anything. I, you know, pay my taxes. Yeah. Well, I think um, it's, it's, um, it's a really weird concept to have to tell somebody, but like, you do not owe anyone the obligation to fit like the standard of beauty that society has. And then the second thing we go to is, well, you need to be healthy, but like you also don't owe any, like you, it's your life, you know, like you do not have an obligation to be healthy or thin or whatever, whatever it is. It's your body, you know? Um, I just, and I think that's, well, I mean, it, what reminded, I mean, there aren't very many people running through Applebee's and begging people to eat like less processed foods. Right. You know what I mean? There, there aren't people that are like going to extreme sports events and begging people to not engage in things that could cause injury and, you know, maybe even brain damage. So to have people intercede on your health is very rare indeed. So it makes me think that it's a thinly veiled, like thinly veiled way to remark on your body. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking they don't care if my kidneys are failing or not. No. I think they just want to shame me. Right. And why is it so offensive? Maybe that sounds like I'm being paranoid. A little bit, but um, I don't know. When uh, I remember when I was at a soccer tournament when I was like a teenager walking through the hotel and a barber, like I was walking past the barber shop, stopped, came to the door and said, like, you should you should not eat dairy or cheese. Like that was the that was what he had to come to the door to tell me. What? Like I was fourteen. No, that's weird. <laughs> like that's weird. People are really weird about yeah women's bodies. And it's just, I mean, I think that almost everybody has a story, and that's the thing because it it's not just heavy people. I mean, people who are underweight. There, sure. you cannot win. Like there, there is, you know, and if you're too good looking then you have to be responsible for how good looking you are. So you have to behave right. in a certain way, you know, like it, it there, there's no one that gets off the hook, but like for people who are like, certainly for me, like I was like five, six by the time I was 12, you know, I'm, I'm like five, eight now, but I was always so tall and, you know, but all I wanted to be was like the, the pixie, like the Audrey Hepburn and like I was tur- like more and more turning to like uh, the illustration of a female farmer on a propaganda poster, <laughs> just like the healthy, strong. You know, I mean, it was uh, a nightmare. But I, you know, and people would say things. Other women would say things in a way to try to make your path through life easier, you know? Yeah. Like if you want men to like you, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, it, it also has the effect of making you feel shame 
for just the way that you, just for the lottery of genetics, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we have so much like diet talk and, and our, and our daily lives. I mean, just, I I came home today and just like the first thing my mom said was like, you look good. Did you, how are you lost weight? I'm like, I I don't know. I haven't been on the scale and then they're, they're doing weight watchers. So it's like, they're eating and everything is about points. And it's like, okay, like this is making me insane having to hear this like banter going back and forth. Right. It was like, are you eating food or are you eating points? Like, what are you doing? And it's like, this, this world, like it's, it's, you can't escape it. You just really can't. It's very hard. Well, and I also, um, so the, the first sort of mentions of people, watching what they eat, you know, as opposed to just describing food habits, but being uh, conscientious about it, it, the Greeks. But I mean, granted, they were like philosophical and analytical about everything. So I'm not surprised that they talked about it, but um, it was essentially what you would assume, which is everything in moderation, you know, don't. Yeah. You know, you can recognize when you eat too much rich food and you're getting drowsy or if you drink too much wine. And so obviously there was, I mean, you don't have to be because there were people that were like aesthetics, like not the like aesthetic, like, you know, yes, queen aesthetic, but like the other, like the aesthetic that wouldn't participate in pleasure of any kind. And, you know, I mean, what, what's the point of life? If you, I mean, like it's hard enough, Jesus, you know, like eat a bread roll, but at the other side, so it was all about moderation and, um, you know, to be fair, it's pretty solid advice. I mean, through all of the, I mean, even when we were just talking about our approach now, having done innumerable things, you know, uh, it's, and mine wasn't so much for weight control, but it was, uh, there was, there's all these fads, food fads that are connected to health and it's the same machine, right. you know, it, it's the, it's the same machine. The same people make the same money from, you know, so it's very similar. Um, sure. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a billion dollar industry. That is going to get everyone. Right. Somehow. I do think that there is something to be said about the quality of food. Like there, I think it's strange that only certain countries in the world that receive a certain kind of food would then have this explosion of an obesity problem. Like, I think that there's some blame to be laying at the, at, at the, yeah, not farmers because that's not what we don't have farmers anymore. No, but yeah. people who manufa- <laughs> manufacture manufacturers like, like the people who like yeah the manufacturers the people who like figure out what the best how it tastes in your mouth and the best crunch and how you're gonna keep eating and eating. Yeah, it's mouthfeel. They're like science. They're like yeah. And it's essentially <laughs> like one third salt and one third sugar. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean this yeah. it's not, it has nothing to do. I mean, it's like capitalist capitalism at its most evil because they're just yeah. trying to get you to buy the most of the product by making it, you know, so irresistible to eat, 
even at the cost of your own health. Right. But like, I don't think everybody knew that that's what they were signing up for. Not that they were under the illusion that like frozen pizza was good for you, but I don't think they also knew like how very, very terrible and weird it was, you know? This to me, this is a is a tricky topic because I try not to think of like any food as bad because it's like a that's like a weird trigger for me. Uh-oh. But like at the same time, I but at the same time, like I hate industry, you know, yeah. and I hate like that's you know I stopped drinking soda because I got so mad at you know that industry and um yeah, but it, it's not only food because it's everything every product that we use that has. whatever in it that we don't know what it is affecting our bodies in a way that we don't know you know like shampoo whatever um but yeah it's basically the basically manufacturers are poisoning us and we are accepting it you know um yeah suppressing (laughs) did you have you read did you read michael pollan's book about corn it's like a 500 book page book about corn and the corn industry and I mean like that that like threw me for a loop for sure um but they're you know it's like they're like have war byproducts they're gonna turn into food just they gotta you they have to use those things right because um, it, there was uh the government would uh subsidize certain amounts of corn so like farmers would grow mm-hmm. it but then they were like yeah, yeah then they were finding more uses like right so essentially at the bottom, you would say this was a uh, driven by capitalism rather than um, any desire to actually feed people something that was <laughs> nourishing to their body in any way or. Yeah, right. That's yes. They just had to make sure um, that it didn't like make you susceptible to magnets or, you know, grow horns <laughs> or. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that's, that's the theme of a lot of a lot of your podcast, right? It's like profit at all costs and whether it's the manufacturers of the food or the diet culture industry, you know, setting us up for cycles of uh, restriction and torture, um, that don't work, uh, and make us miserable for our whole lives. Uh, you know, as long as there's a profit to be had. I mean, ain't it the truth? In fact, I mean, if, if that's the thing, you could, it, if, I, I wonder if somebody like had the ability to really quantify how much money shame is worth, you know, oh, yeah. because the amount of money people will spend to lessen their own feelings of shame is boundless, so, I yeah. mean, they really, I mean, that's, it, it, it's not even as if people are tr- consciously manipulating it. Well, I mean, they are to a degree, but, you know, if in order to get you to buy something that you don't want, they have to make you feel a certain amount of emptiness or otherwise sure. you wouldn't think to buy it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not just, it's not just that industry too, because it's, it's our whole media, right? Like this is the, these are the ideals that we're fed our whole lives, um, which is why people who are thin and who do meet like, you know, society's beauty standards still also have 
eating disorders and still are not satisfied with themselves. You know, we don't live in a world like that, that strives to let us be satisfied with our own bodies. Right. And so the next like bullet point on the diet history, I guess, timeline I had was, um, the medieval period. And the problem then was, um, that there, and you're not even going to recognize this landscape economically when I describe it to you. <laughs> it's going to be so foreign that, and I'm you're going to need a couple of minutes to like wrap your head around it. There were only a few people that uh, had access to um, large amounts of uh, assets, funds, um, imports that sort of thing. And then everybody else was sort of just subsistence farming. So, you know, the medieval diet for the great majority of people was whatever you could get your hands on. <laughs> Enjoy yourself. Gl- glad you made it through the plague. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and then, uh, but the other side of the spectrum. So if you were able to, have access to these like meats and rich foods. All of these people like very famously, Oh, this is one of the funny ones. So William, the conqueror, um, which is like the 11th century, I think William the conqueror. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I mean, obviously he was a very successful dude because you know, it's, a lot of years later, we still know who he is. I mean, that's at least right. that's at least Kanye size. Like, that's a that's a pretty good level of success. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, towards the end of his life, because he really enjoyed, uh, well, certainly drinking and eating, um, he was a very heavy man, and he couldn't ride his horse anymore, <laughs> and he, he was really defeated. <laughs> I, I read about this too. And so he went on a liquid diet, which is essentially just drank. And, right. but then when he finally got on the horse, he fell off, Megan. <laughs> yeah, it killed him. He fell off the horse. <laughs> oh my God. You couldn't write, you could not write like a chubby slash, like boy slash girl slash however you identify story that you are the king of the world. Yeah. And then you can't get a handle on your weight, so you you get drunk. You get drunk. And it seems like it seems like there was like other times through history where drinking alcohol was also a really a really smart diet plan. Well, actually, now that you mention it, in 1558, Venetian merchant Luigi Cornaro became the first diet guru when he wrote The Art of Living Long. Um, so, anyway, he per- he portrayed old age as worthwhile. He also recommended a high-fat, low-carbohydrate diet taken in small, measured quantities. Um, but the other thing was that he drank as much as he ate. And um, uh-huh. so it it really um, became more 
much more fashionable to drink quite a bit because it, it appeared as if you were trying to be healthy. Sure. Hopefully this isn't being considered like an instructional podcast. Oh, yeah. By the way, I mean, that he lived a long <laughs> life, but I mean, that was so rare. But yeah, you could just fall off your horse. Well, that's the too. thing. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like what use the entire world if you can't stay on your horse? Like, yeah. well, oh, that's the other one. So Henry VIII, they, um, you know, I remember hearing, you know, when in history class, there, like his last wife was essentially like his nursemaid because he kept having, he had these wounds on his legs that would never heal. They were like ulcers. And um, she was like 14 years old. And at this point, he's in excruciating pain. And they're constantly like lancing these sores. And then like with a hot iron poke. Anyway. But yeah, he had gout. And um, so, but yeah, I'm, it, 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 you know, there is something like poetic about it, you know, um, he, he was, um, 392 pounds when he died. And they know that because of the measurements they took for his armor. And, but when you see his armor, it honestly looks like it's meant for a bear. Yeah. Like, you know how they do in, um, like in video <laughs> games where, yeah, 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 it's like a, you know, it's always like a Russian bear and then he has like mini, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. Uh, it's very large. So anyway, all that to say, like, you know, men have had, men have had to suffer with body image problems as well. And it's so funny because it is, a this topic has its like tentacles and everything because it can be viewed as a class issue. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, there is no bigger offense in the 1% than being overweight. Like the price you pay for trying to be in the upper echelons of power. And if you have the nerve to be overweight on top of that, like, yeah. it's, you just get excoriated in the, like, they cannot stop talking about it, you know? Yeah. And like what, I mean, and God forbid you use like food stamps to buy something that's not uh, considered healthy, you know? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's amazing how, well, and I'm sure there are so many, uh, I've heard this story so many times where when people are checking out at the grocery store people make comments about what they're buying, Yeah, you know, yeah. based on their size. It, it's just like, um, Oh, I, yeah. I always think that I'm like, Oh, people are, people are going to like judge what's on the, on the cart here. You know, people, it's, people are really judgmental for sure. I mean, online is obviously the worst place on earth. If you see somebody who's like, uh, fat woman or something talking about anything, the comments you will get, but definitely the grocery store is another place like that. And the other thing is there is nothing more transgressive than a woman or a man of a certain size is happy and or yeah. 
just feeling themselves. You know? Yeah. Just feeling themselves. Sure, but all little crop top. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's not even like showing skin or it being tight or anything yeah. else. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter what you're wearing. But, you know, there's just some days. You know, people yeah. forget that it's like you wake up to your face every single day. So you're not like scanning a million faces. Like, um, ugly, ugly, not ugly, hot, ugly, not hot. Like, you're just seeing you. And so there's like right. a day where you have some, I don't know if it's the color. I don't know if it's a blame it on the, you know, moonlight. I, who knows? But, um, blame it on the boogie, but you just look in the mirror and you're like, Oh my God, I'm so fierce. You know, and you just can't stop it. You know, like you, it, you're just feeling yourself and, if somebody else catches you feeling yourself and you happen to be overweight, like God forbid, it makes people miserable. So, you know what I, I mean? Apparently just by watching what I see online. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is nothing where, I mean, that's why I love it. I just, I, I, you know, just whatever you're at now. And I mean, this just has to do with, Anything in life, you know, whether it's, you know, your life is falling apart, your marriage is falling apart, nothing is what you thought it was, like, it just everything is a huge catastrophe, you're 25 pounds overweight, you think your kid might be a psycho killer, you know, just like, <laughs> everything is out of your control. The thing is, is that, like, just knowing the cards, like, this is what I've got right now, like, what's the very best I can do with this? You know, right. And like when I see other people who are saying, you know, maybe I will like be able to do strength training and God knows what and, you know, have like a beauty regimen and all this other stuff. And maybe I will look better in, in, you know, eight months or a year or two. But right now, this is the best I've got, you know, and like, I feel pretty good about it. Like, you're allowed that. Yeah. Like, you're allowed that. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you know, it's, like, now's the time to to start. You know, now's the time to start because by the time you, you know, before you know it, you're dead and you've lived your whole life suffering. I, like, whatever it is, um, my I remember my grandmother the last three, like, maybe three years ago, wouldn't go swimming because she didn't like her body. And her body, like, it was fine. Like, even, you know, I was like, go swimming. You're a grandma. Like, who cares? Like, are you not, have you not lived enough years to, to like get over it, you know? Um, and then I was shopping with my stepmother recently and she wouldn't buy a shirt because it was like striped. And I was like, is this still a thing? Like, you, is that really something? <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing the, the rules and the, the restrictions we put on our lives because of this stuff, you know? And so I, t I agree with you. Like it, like get out there and, and yeah, it's, this is your body and this is your life and don't let anything hold you back. The other thing that you know, I think that feminists have tried to explain with intersectionality is that you know, as we were trying to, to sort of, distinguish what we wanted from our own lives and our own futures. Now that we had more control over it, we were trying to say that 
you know, this gives you men a freedom as well. Like it's not threatening to you. And right. I think it was hard. I, you know, and I, 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 it's, I empathize in a way, you know, because I think it was hard for men to accept that we really did mean that you don't have to, you don't have to live that way either. If you don't want to, like you're free to, you know, like we're all going to agree that, that whatever we traditionally just agreed upon, um, you know, it's not working out for everybody. And maybe you don't want to be the one that is responsible for bringing in the income or, you know, maybe you're a little more effeminate and you get hassled, you know, by your boss or whatever, whatever it is like, you know, we're saying that just from our own experience, having led a, 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 our own sort of rebellion to define ourselves, like you, you deserve that as well. You know, like that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you, you don't have to, the, the same, you know, there's expectations that are put on men that are unreasonable and, and hurtful and painful and shameful that, I mean, that you also do not have to accept, like you're, you're free to be proud of who you are as you are right this moment too, you know, and still, still get a chick or a fella or whatever, you know, you're worthy of love and all the rest of it. No, I mean, yeah, I I agree. We don't, I like, yeah, you don't have to play sports. You're, you're still, you could still be a man. Right. I mean, whatever your passion is, I mean, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, um, I'll let the listeners in on a secret. I may have taken my medication, um, which makes me a little loosey goosey and <laughs> with the way that I talk and the way that I relate. Um, so if you're picking up that vibe, it's cause I'm laying it down, but, um, the, and there, the history of diet. And that's the thing when you look at the history of diets is that just like anything else, it just echoes the, the, the time that it it's from, you know? So it, yeah. like in the twenties, it was, you know, it was all about pills and uppers and, you know, ordering from the back of a magazine. And then, you know, in the sixties, that's when Weight Watchers was established and, you know, it was like you could have a group therapy experience. And right. so, you know, it's a reflection of the time. And hopefully, you know, now that there are there are so many really talented writers and strong voices, like we were talking about Roxanne Gay and Lindy West and, you know, the body positive movement and it, there, there are people that are, you know, giving a voice to essentially, oddly enough, is like a fairly invisible population, you know, because they, they right. oddly, if they're not getting yeah. your critique, they're not acknowledged at all. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I mean, that's right. And one of the things like, I don't know, several years ago, 
I started doing was following different people on Instagram, like people of different size bodies. And like you, it's not, it's just, I feel like now with, with things like Instagram where you can actually see like people who are amazing and awesome and like the, you know, like the hashtag, like my body's a bikini body or whatever, uh, just things you wouldn't see because it's not going to be in a magazine and it's not going to be on TV, you know? Um, but it's like, Oh yeah, there are a lot of really great people out there. Um, sort of putting, putting themselves out there and being vulnerable and, 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 you know, creating a community, uh, and which is helping spread. Yeah. These ideas that you're like, you can, whatever size your body is, whether it's really thin or, really big like it's your body and I, I, like yeah we're I think you're right like those the writers are helpful and the bloggers are helpful um but without that yeah we're just stuck in our vacuum of what is published by a few publishing companies for us to see and that's all we know you know no I think that's a and that's why I think things like even like these tiny podcasts and I don't mean ours because we have tens of 11s of listeners and yeah, <laughs> I, I cannot thank you enough, but you know, it's just a way for very, like a very niche audience to listen to a very niche product, you know? So it's like, if you're strange sure. in this particular way, you can hear somebody else who was also strange in that particular way. And there's a comfort in that, you know? Uh, you know, it's for sure. I mean, there's a, sorry, go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, there's a lot of really good podcasts out there too, about diet culture and, and, you know, people far smarter than us talking about, talking about this stuff. Um, but, um, yeah, like thank God for the podcast. If you want to listen to it, I mean, yeah, whatever weirdo thing you want. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's... It's like, it's like you know, like, somehow internet chat rooms went away. Like, you know, like that <laughs> was a really fun place. If you just want, if you just want to talk about Velvet Goldmine all night, like, you, cu- you could. <sighs> but that, like, went away. And now it's like, the podcast is almost re- sort of the replacement for that level of obsession about something. Um, I don't know. Wait, I've never heard of that. If, is that a film or an album, a musical? I'm not <laughs> uh, but oh, the other thing yeah. is what it, there is a weird crossover and I'm surely some, some academic has written about this in depth, but uh, we were talking about it earlier, but you know, I think as far as, you know, there's, a lot of disordered thinking certainly from women manifests itself with eating disorders, like con- like just control issues. And, um, but for people that, for example, like if you're, if you have like a chronic illness there, you cannot, if somebody finds out about it, probably one of the first things they say is, you know, I had my sister-in-law cut out gluten and it cured her MS. And I'm like, well, that's, 
not true in about yeah. a million ways. <laughs> but it's always, I, you know, people are always trying to pitch you that, you know, if you ate clean, if you ate these sort of things, if you sure. did this cleanse, if you, you know, that somehow you're sick because you're not diligent enough that it's not sure like you're there. You don't have a genetic disease that has been on the books for thousands of years and is actually probably tied to the Neanderthals. And, you know, I won't get into that, but anyway, um, like that has nothing to do with it. But, and, and I think that's the same thing that people that, are dealing with body issues get is that people question their level of control and it's a way to shame and to be sort of self-righteous. Like you wouldn't be sick or you wouldn't be overweight if you did this or this or this. But, you know, I think that the reason in my life anyway, that I felt, I think the reason that people do that sort of thing is that they have a hard time accepting that life is chaotic and absurd and you actually exert so little control over the outcome. Yeah. So they, when they, they're critical to other people in a way to say they're, but by the grace of God go, I like, you know, I know that she's doing something wrong because if it were to, you know, I'm doing something right, which is keeping me safe. But right. that, it, that's, yeah. it's not a talisman. Like you're, you're just as susceptible to the, you know, what is it? The slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Yeah. 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 Like if you want to believe if you get cancer, you could go on a juice diet and that's going, and you don't need chemo. Like that's a, like, I, that's a lovely belief to have you know and maybe it works for a few people you know maybe that's lucky but yeah i mean i mean that's like religion too i think that's all that's all of it it's it's you want to have a lens where there's a there's a purpose and an order well that's the thing i mean the placebo effect is real i mean it's you know there is something to it if if you believe it enough it will have like a palliative effect but at the same time, like I, you know, my kidneys don't just run themselves. You know what I mean? Like there's not like, (laughs) there's not a certain like, Oh, that's the kale leaf that got me off my meds, you know, like, right. right, Oh my God. Well, yeah. And yeah, yeah, I think, you know, we, we are lied to uh, by, by diet culture that tells us something so simplistic that it's calories in, calories out uh, you know just exercise and it's just not true um and uh and uh everyone you know everyone's body is different and and uh so yeah so there's a lot of shame and just say like why like why don't you eat less and why don't you exercise more and that's not really that's not really what works for everyone you know yeah i mean i just but you know i i read stories all the time on 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 the Facebook <laughs> about, uh, you know, and, and, and in, in the groups, um, about people who go to the doctor and, you know, they have something wrong with them. And the doctor's only answer is lose weight, you know, 
And it's like, well, no, something's really wrong with me. I need, I need like your medical advice about this thing. Like, what would you say to a thin person? Would you say this? There, you know, and so it's like the, the patient has to educate the doctor, um, to, to get help. And it's, it's like heartbreaking to read these stories sometimes. Um, people are suffering, you know. I was just going to say though, that like within the sick community is that it's especially the girls that have reproductive, um, well, and it, there's a crossover with autoimmune diseases, but anyway, like they will be in excruciating pain. You know, and like, yeah. you, I mean, you can imagine, right? I mean, you've had things go wrong before, but like, you know, blackout, like white lightning pain. And the doctors will say, have you tried losing weight? And they're like, it's very specifically coming from my uterus. Right. So, I mean, if you could take a peek, like, I feel like that would, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll work on my weight as well. But if like, just for me. Right. Well, I was reading an article and I, I, I hesitate to even bring it up because I don't remember enough about it, <laughs> but it was about like polycystic, like PCOS. Oh yeah. Yeah. Polycystic. Yeah. Polycystic ovaries. Yeah. Anyways. And so, so there's like a whole thing with that and like weight gain. And, and I think the was saying basically that doctors are saying, yeah, lose the weight. But then some people are saying, well, actually this is causing the weight to come up. You well, know yeah. what I mean? And so it's like, but as a patient, as a patient, you're going in and you're like, like literally you're telling them something that they can't do ever because they have a disease that's causing this problem. And, and then you're putting it on them that they could fix the problem, which they can't do. Um, and yeah, like, so, right. (laughs) So it's like, fuck you. Like, this is not possible. Well, and And then it's a torture cycle, you know, you know, the other thing that just like, I guess on to end it on is, you know, there is, there is a price to be paid for fat shaming because, you know, I remember when I was first diagnosed, I was in my early 20s, and they put me on steroids for the first time. Nobody warned me about the weight, the weight gain. And, um, right. you know, so when I, I started swelling and swelling, and I, I mean, I was like, you know, what is happening? Like, what is happening? You know, Because this was, again, like, there wasn't great information on the internet at the time. And um, anyway... And they said, well, there is weight gain associated with that medication, but we usually don't tell young women that because they won't take the drug. And in your case, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't take it, it would, you know, well, it, it could have critical, if not fatal consequences. And it was so sad to me that... Yeah. You know, that there were girls that were like, I'll chance it. They're like, well, you could yeah. die. Like the lining of your heart could get so inflamed that it would choke out, you know, or they'd have to cut it or they'd have to cut it off. And they're like, oh, but I'd be fat, you know? Yeah. And I've met, I mean, I've met other people that, and, and this applies to women and men that, they have psychiatric medication that works really well, but there's weight gain as a side effect 
And so they don't take it, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, just, it's not, you know, maybe it isn't a great idea to make people feel worthless for the way they look because maybe their lives would be a lot happier if they could be on medications that, um, really helped order their thinking or right. allowed their heart to beat <laughs> or, you know, just think about it for two seconds Yeah, or make some, or make a 15 year old girl cry because you think she looks bad in her prompt dress. Cause that's, that doesn't send you straight to hell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ugh, I'll never understand. But anyway, Megan, so thank you for going through the the personal is political history of the diet. Very special episode pod. Of with course. Me. <laughs> and um, you want to know what the sick you want to know what the sick thing about all this is? Sorry to interrupt your closing. No, but that my, <laughs> like, my favorite part. I I really love Kevin Smith, and it's like. They almost got me, like, honestly. Uh, <laughs> like, they almost got me, like, those fuckers. But anyways, <laughs> just back to the beginning. But, like, I'm, like, so sad about – I'm so – I like it, that, I think that's why it really stuck with me because I really like him, you know? No, I know. I mean, um, you've been a supporter for a long time. Yeah, and not that this – I'm still going to go see him when he comes to D.C. in November, but um, <laughs> nothing against him because – Everyone who's everyone who's going to Weight Watchers is just living the life the way the best they, they can in the world that we have. But um, it's like they get you. They know what they're doing, you know. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Anyway, sorry. Nope. No. That's good to know. But um, yeah, but that no, that's a uh, it's a callback. That's what that was. It was a callback. And. uh we brought it back full circle. So it's not complete and utter chaos. Like life, which is absurd and utter chaos, and there is no point. It really is. Embrace it. <laughs> I really em- I love embracing the no point of life. I wish more people could get with that. No. They think it's empty, but it's, it's, it's actually freeing. It's joyful. It is joyful. Yeah. It's, it's freeing. We get... <laughs> On, on the next episode where we talk about why religion is not needed. Right. It's the, yeah, just the nihilism pod. I'm just going to enjoy that. Just put on a little Philip Glass. Anyway. All right. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much, buddy, for um, going through this with me and, you know, being sort of vulnerable and honest. And it's tricky. I, you know, it's tricky to talk about this stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't. Nobody likes that. I don't know. Well, anyway. Uh, but I appreciate it. And um, anyway, uh, if you want to get in touch with Axopod, we are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Um, so, I mean, we'll respond because uh, there is absolutely no one getting in contact. So, it, you'll be the first. Um, anyway. Thanks. See you next week, all 17 of you. Bye.